Hey guys and welcome back to the FFP. My name is Christian and today we're going to be talking about the 2020 offseason and the players that you need to watch uh, to kind of see what's going to happen. I think there are a lot of players out there, pretty much everyone who are really affected by the offseason, but there are those players who are more affected by the offseason. Uh, maybe they're a free agent or they get traded or they're recovering from an injury, albeit these are the guys we're going to talk about today have a lot of question marks that need to be resolved. There are guys who could have big fantasy value or little to none. Of course, you kind of know that by clicking on these video but here's the guys you need to pay attention to and what you need to be looking for as to be able to determine their value heading into the 2020 offseason there will be links down in the description and in the comment section below so you guys can see who we're talking about and when we're talking about them but with all that being said i've got a few things to cover first uh one thing I want to talk about is that our goal going forward is to put out a video or two every single week, one or two videos a week. For me, the, the goal is really two videos a week. I'm not sure how realistic that is um, going forward. That's what we want. We've been really poor at putting up videos lately, and that's because of everything going on right now. Rob is not in this video, and that's because he's at the hospital with my sister right now who just had brain surgery. She's going to have another one. Uh, they're trying to hopefully figure out some things that they can do uh, to stop her epilepsy, which has really kind of made her life difficult and just made, she hasn't really had a normal life. She's had a very tough life. And anyways, I'm not going to talk about that too much, but that's why the videos have been slow. Um, and so going forward, we're really excited to do a lot more videos and to get a lot more product out there. Remember, we are working on our website as well as the draft guide, the videos, all sorts of things. Um, but I'm really excited to get forward heading uh, and do our PPR and our standard rankings videos and do our dynasty rankings videos, as well as, you know, sleepers and busts, underrated, overrated players. We have so many ideas. We just haven't been able to execute on them. So we're really excited, guys, looking forward into everything that's happening. Um, we just wanted to stop real quick and say sorry that things haven't been coming out sooner, um, but hopefully you guys can understand our situation. So with all that being said, I'd like to start off and talk about Ben Roethlisberger coming off an injury last year. Of course, that elbow surgery. Uh, there's a lot to watch here. And it's not the most exciting pick because, you know, he's not a free agent. He's not getting traded and there's not a lot of drama there. Um, but we have a really interesting situation where how does he come back and how does he recover and what does the team look like? One thing's for sure. The Pittsburgh Steelers are not the same Pittsburgh Steelers they were last when Ben Roethlisberger was the starter in 2018. Um, and so there's definitely a lot of question marks there. But here's what we know right now. As far as the elbow injury and recovery, he did just have the elbow surgery. Uh, and his surgeon, his medical doctor, his recovery expert, everything like that, uh, the guy who leads that for him is uh, Jerry Dulock. Hopefully I'm saying that right, but uh, it doesn't really matter too much, I guess. Um, and he said two main things about Ben Roethlisberger that you need to know. The first is that him, his doctor, everyone around him, his coaches have all talked about how hard he is working uh, to rehab, to recover, and to get back into football. So, of course, that's really great news. Uh, he seems very motivated. Second of all, they talked about the injury in particular. And here's something to note. I love concrete things that we can know for sure. As we begin to monitor his health and, and see, hey, week one, the start of season, preseason, whatever, is he healthy enough to play? Here's what you need to monitor as far as his ability to be 100%. Uh, and Dulock explained his ability to rotate and spin the football is their biggest concern and the biggest thing that they'll be watching as to monitor uh, the progression of his health. And so that's going to be really important. I really like that because it's not just, hey, he's looking better, he's looking nicer, blah, blah. Like it's nice to have a very specific thing that we can look at. And so I'm going to be paying attention to that this offseason. I think you guys should too if you have any question marks as far as he goes. 
as far as as a whole goes with the team, the Steelers, Mike Tomlin and everything, it, it all seems to be good news. Mike Tomlin came out and said that, you know, he's pretty happy with everything right now, that he has no hesitations about his ability to recover, to be healthy and to perform. So, of course, that's great when your coach has a lot of faith in you. That's awesome. And one of the nice things is they went from 2018 being one of the best offenses in the NFL to just horrible offense, seriously struggled in 2019. And, of course, that just tells us Ben Roethlisberger is a good quarterback. You can say what you want about him, but he gets the job done, and he's really moving the ball down the field for them. Looking back to 2018, the last full season we've seen of him, he threw 34 touchdowns, over 5,100 yards. He went over 5,000 passing yards. He had a quarterback rating of 96. He was a good quarterback. And so the question for us here is we begin to monitor again, as we begin to watch Roethlisberger this offseason, this off is can he get back to that point? And while he doesn't have Antonio Brown, so his offense isn't quite what it was, he has a great offensive line still. And he's got Juju Smith-Schuster, who is older. I think he's going to be better and a bit more mature. He's got James Washington. I'm excited to see how he develops. It's maybe not quite the same weapons that he had, uh, but he doesn't need to throw over 5,000 yards. He can still have a good year without throwing one of those crazy way-up-there records uh, seasons. It's also important to note that that was his first year without Le'Veon Bell. 2018 was without Le'Veon Bell. He threw an extra 900 yards and six touchdowns that year over the previous season. So that's really cool to note because they had a bit weakened running game when they first lost Bell that he threw the ball more. Again, I want to point that out because uh, James Conner and that whole backfield with Benny Snell and all those guys, it's not great. It's not the worst running game in the NFL, but it's not like 2015, 2016 when they had Le'Veon and they were just dominant on the ground. And so... That's going to help him throwing the ball more. And that's really important because the biggest concern um, is, of course, his injury. Uh, but assuming he recovers fine, which everything right now is pointing to him being fine and being recovered and being healthy. Um, so the biggest concern being the defense. This Pittsburgh defense is one of the best in the NFL. I'm going to say they're top five defense right now. And... You know, how much do they lean on their defense? How much do they run the ball, slow the clock, play smart football, and not let their QB throw much? Of course, that for me is the big concern. Um, it's a little bit less of a concern when their running game isn't quite what it was when their running game's not elite. They're going to need to throw a little bit more and lean on their passing game. So that does help, though. Again, it is important to remember, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to throw over 5,000 yards. He doesn't quite have the weapons. And I, I, I do think they slightly shift who they are as their identity as a team, beginning to play defense better and hopefully work on their running game. Ultimately, you guys probably want to know what's the range for him, depending on how things go. On the on the high side, he could very well be a top six fantasy quarterback. He has done it multiple times in the past, and I think he can be another top six fantasy QB again. On the low end, I actually give him a very safe low end. For me, I, I think the, the low end is maybe 18 to 25 touchdown passes. I, I don't see him going under 20 touchdown passes unless things get pretty bad there. Of course, struggling to recover from injury, not having the throw strength, or not having quite uh, quite right form, that's something that's really going to vary in there. As well as um, the Judas Mishuster thing is really interesting because he had this phenomenal season going back to his rookie year, and then he struggled last season. And the question is, where is he? Ultimately, I, I'm in the boat. I'm in the line of thinking that he He's a good wide receiver who just needs his quarterback back. That offense as a whole struggled, and any wide receiver without a good QB is going to struggle. That's pretty much a fact. So I can't necessarily guarantee that Juju is going to bounce back to be 
you know, have another stud season, but it is something that I honestly do expect. And then I think James Washington will improve. Those are, you know, kind of assumptions to make based on some research, not a whole off season of research. I've yet to define my, uh, kind of refine my thoughts on them, but you get the point. I think he's got a pretty good upside and I don't think he has the worst floor. I don't think he's going to turn into Andy Dalton or whoever. I don't think he's going to be, you know, lose his job this year or anything like that. But I probably talked a little too long on Ben Roethlisberger. So let's get to our next guy. So I think we got to talk about David Johnson because 2019 was an absolute bust of a season, a season that really surprised some people and ultimately showed us that David Johnson is probably not going to be the future running back in Arizona. In fact, I'm going to go further than probably. I just, he's not going to be. And when we look at it, Kenny Drake performed just far too well. In fact, I was reading on Pro Football Focus some stats that they were sharing on the Arizona offense as a whole, and I found something really interesting. Um, so here's actually what they said. I'm just going to quote them straight up. I love to do that. I think it's nice and easy, but here's what they said. Um, Kenyon Drake started the final eight games of the season for the Cardinals and produced 643 yards and eight touchdowns on 123 carries, as well as 28 passes for 171 yards. They then continued that Arizona's other running backs ran for a total of 649 yards and six touchdowns on 157 carries the entirety of the season. So pretty clear cut hands down. Kenyon Drake is the guy. He came in. He was absolutely phenomenal. I don't think there's any arguing it, but it gets worse than that because sometimes a guy comes in and he performs well, but you're still a stud. Uh, the thing that I think of right now is kind of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt comes in and he surprises some people and plays well, but still Nick Chubb has a role in that offense. The reason David Johnson probably doesn't have a role in that offense simply is he just kind of stunk. Um, so I began to look into the numbers and we find out that he finished dead last among running backs in forced missed tackles uh, per touch. He also finished uh, average was 2.05 yards after contact. Um, that, by the way, only Tariq Cohen was worse than him on his average yards after contact per attempt. He also ranked, according to Pro Football Focus, um, last in elusive rating with 17.4. He averaged 3.7 yards per carry, uh, whereas Kenyon Drake averaged 5.2 yards per carry and Edmonds averaged 5.1. So that's the real concern when you look at it. Um, when you're just not getting it done and other guys on the team are. And you know what the coaches noticed? They played him less and Coach Cliff Kingsbury said that he seemed slower and more indecisive. Uh, he said that, I believe, in the middle of the season last year. Um, ultimately, I think there are some teams because... <laughs> David Johnson had some really good years. David Johnson has really been a stud in the past, and he can still do a lot in the passing game. He is still a good receiving running back. But the question is, you know, can he get it done in a different offense? What's going to happen? Because if he stays in Arizona, that's it. Uh, he probably plays the role of a, you know, running back two or probably a running back three, maybe a two, um, and doesn't have any fantasy impact. Whereas maybe some other teams give him a shot and kind of revitalizes his career. He's still young enough to have very good years. That's not a concern for me. The ultimate question is, watch where he's going to go. There's a very high likelihood chance that the Arizona Cardinals, of course, they're, they're going to keep Kenyon Drake. I really fully believe that. There's no reason for them not to. So the, the question is, maybe they try to get something for David Johnson and trade him out for some sort of a pick or another player or something like that. Um, so that's what I'm telling you guys to monitor. I honestly don't know where he's going to go. I'm not going to make speculation and I'm not going to guess um, because it's an interesting situation. There aren't terrible amount of running backs in free agency this year, so he definitely would be one of the few notable guys. 
that does bode well for him. Um, but watch where he goes. If he gets into the right situation, he could have a good year. If he gets into the wrong situation, he could have kind of a stinky year. But uh, you get the point. Um, I, I want to see also a lot about how has he been practicing? What are his coaches saying of him? Does he, did he lose weight? Did he get faster? Anything like that? Because ultimately, he just wasn't able to get the job done last year. And it's always really disappointing to see a running back who was great uh, really start to fall apart. But ultimately, David Johnson was not effective enough. So that's what we'll be monitoring this season is kind of the news and the reports of where he's going to go and how well he's been performing. That's pretty straightforward, and I almost feel bad that I have nothing to offer um, but uh, to this discussion. But uh, you kind of get the point. It's pretty straightforward. Um, the question, I guess, being where could he go that he could make an impact to that, I'm not really sure because, again, he didn't perform all that well when the running backs around him did. So you do have to question, hey, which teams you know, would, would want him? My first thought was maybe the Bears because he could be a good complement to David Montgomery. But then they have pretty much identical problem in that they already have a version of David Johnson and that version is Tariq Cohen. So then I kind of just sat back and said, oh, screw it. I don't even care where he goes. Uh, but let's move on and talk about the next situation. All right, so I think we got to talk about the Minnesota Vikings as a whole because there are so many things to watch with the Vikings this year. And I think the first thing to do is to start and talk about why there's so much going on in Minnesota. A lot of their talent and uh, their best players are kind of getting a little bit older and they don't have a whole lot of salary cap. And they're not really, you know, a favorite to win the Super Bowl or even necessarily to win the division. So ultimately, this is a turning point in Minnesota. What are the Vikings going to do? And if they are going to do anything, right, there's a lot going on there right now, and there's a lot of question marks. And the things that are going to happen in Minnesota, because they do have talent, are going to drastically impact the rest of the NFL. Let's start with probably the least important or the least interesting or the least big one, and that is Kirk Cousins. He's got one year left on his contract. So the Minnesota Vikings could do a few interesting things. They could draft a quarterback and you know take a shot on a guy and see if that could ultimately end up being Kirk Cousins' replacement. They could also, and this is in, probably would be a, a good move for Kirk Cousins to make, would be to restructure the contract they have with him right now before the season starts. Doing that would save the Vikings some money this year while locking up a three or four year deal for Cousins. That, that could really be a beneficial, beneficial situation for them and leave them um, in a situation where they don't have to look for their quarterback in, you know, in a year from now, uh, which again, with everything going on with the team, I don't necessarily think that's something they want to do. But also with everything going on, if you're not a favorite to win the Super Bowl, you don't want to be cap strapped to a super expensive quarterback that they sort of kind of feel like they are right now. Um, even though Kirk Cousins has played well and he hasn't been a horrible quarterback, they definitely are not sitting here saying, oh, wow, I'm so happy we're paying him this much money. It's not like Russell Wilson in Seattle where they pay him whatever he wants because he is magic and he gets them where they want to be. But that's just the first thing. So let's talk about some other things. I think one of the biggest things is Everson Griffin opting to become a free agent. Not very likely we're going to see him playing in Minnesota anymore at this point. Now, before he did that, the Minnesota Vikings were, I believe, somewhere around 12 to $13 million in the hole that they owed to the salary cap that they had to clear up before the season started. They didn't have a choice. Um, and so he opts to become a free agent. That saves him, you know, saves the Vikings around $13 million. Now they have, you know, around a million dollars in cap space. Not a whole lot to work with. They still need to clear up cap if they want to make any moves, if they want to sign rookies or do anything this year. Um, so we'll see what's going on there. 
And that really leads into our next thing, which is Stefan Diggs. The best way for the Vikings to clear up cap and get rid of drama is to trade away Stefan Diggs, a move that is seeming increasingly like what's just going to happen. Like at this point, I'm moving towards and thinking that it's likely to happen more likely than not, if that makes any sense. Um, but with kind of the drama that he started last year where he was complaining and kind of throwing fits on the sidelines because he wasn't getting the ball enough uh, towards this offseason where he's kind of signaling to everyone he doesn't want to play in Minnesota when he goes and removes all of his Vikings things from his Instagram, um, kind of acting like a big baby, kind of acting like a child. But I guess that's what you have to do. I mean, that's the way the NFL works. Um, uh, you kind of have to do that to force your team to trade you, right? I mean, if that's what you really want, it's going to be good for the Vikings, I think, in the long run as far as they've just got to clear up some cap. They've got to get some some younger talent. they got to do a lot of things, and they have to clear up cap, right? It's not really a choice that they have. But uh, but ultimately, there are also some teams that would be willing to give the Vikings, you know, a first-round pick, first-round and more. They'd be willing to give the Vikings quite a bit. Uh, the, the teams that really need them right now, the Ravens. Baltimore Ravens are a great team. They are set for the future. What do they need? One thing, a wide receiver. Um, and so that could absolutely fix that and give Lamar Jackson the one weapon he needs. Uh, the New England Patriots, that's another situation. Super likely he ends up in New England as, you know, if you're Tom Brady, um, he wants to come back. He wants to win a Super Bowl, and that's what he wants. He wants to be competitive, and he wants to look like the greatest quarterback of all time. And so what's the best way to get Brady back? Give up some picks and get him some talent at wide receiver. Stefan Diggs could really be one of those pieces. And then finally, the Philadelphia Eagles. Their super likely situation is they also need a wide receiver desperately and the one wide receiver they have Alshon Jeffrey sounds like he hasn't been getting along with uh, Carson Wentz and that we remember back to last year during the middle of the season there was sort of an anonymous complaint about Carson Wentz well it's coming out now and a lot of speculation is that it was uh, Alshon, or, yeah, Alshon Jeffrey was making the complaints and that they haven't been seeing eye to eye. Well, of course, the Eagles are probably going to trade him away. That's a lot of reports that we've been seeing lately. Um, so that's something to keep track of and um, to monitor where he goes. But if he does leave, then the Eagles even more need a wide receiver. I talked about them needing to probably go out and sign Brashad Perryman from the free agent market. Um, but they may also need to get digs, or if they don't get Perryman, then they'll definitely need to trade for digs. So there are a lot of landing spots. I think almost every realistic landing spot leaves Stefan Diggs with some solid fantasy value. After all, he's coming off of a year where he finished a career high in yards and yards per catch. In fact, he averaged 17.9 yards per catch. It was a really great year for him. There's almost no arguing it. That's pretty much all I've got to say for the Vikings. But before we move on, I, I wanted to kind of call out one red flag that I have seen. I was going kind of scrolling through the internet the uh, recently, and I saw an article, and then I saw another one. I've seen like two or three articles suggesting that Dalvin Cook may hold out for a better contract. This, however, seems to be like fake news. I want to tell you guys this now so you don't get fooled. Um, I see these articles because it's what I do and I run this channel. I love it. I click on it. I'm reading the sources. I'm, I'm, I'm researching and I'm doing a lot to see whether or not this is actually going to happen or not. And ultimately, it doesn't seem like it is. I'm seeing it from a lot of people who are just speculating. They're just guessing. There's no real reason. This isn't from an NFL insider, a former player, a coach, and nobody like that. This isn't from Adam Schefter. Um, it's just kind of people talking football. That's the one downfall of the NFL these days is that 
anyone can make a podcast. In fact, I, I, I saw something really funny this day. It was uh, the other day making like it was a meme about, you know, any guy in their 20s has a podcast. That's kind of true at this point. And that's the problem. When Joe down the street can talks about can say, hey, I think Dalvin Cook's going to hold out. He can put that on the Internet and suddenly it's a rumor that's going around. Uh, the reason I say that is somebody did ask me um, about that. They messaged me and said, hey, do you think this is actually going to happen? What's going on there? I, so I just want to clear that up. Uh, it's not the most interesting discussion to say, hey, this probably isn't going to happen. But I do want to leave you guys. From what we know right now, there's no reason to think that's going to happen. So I just want to kind of clear the air a little bit. But let's move on to our next guy that we got to talk about. I think one of the guys you absolutely have to pay attention to is Jarvis Landry. Um, with that injury and that surgery, um, absolutely monitor him. Kind of like the Ben Roethlisberger thing where maybe it's not the most interesting thing to talk about because he had a good year and I expect him to have another good year. But that's going to completely depend on their recovery from injury. He makes me think of Cooper Cup from last year. Everybody thought it was absolutely absurd when I said that Cooper Cup would recover and not just be fine, but be better. You can quote me on that. You can go back on our older videos. I predicted that Cooper Cup would be far better. And everyone thought that I was on drugs and I was crazy. And while I am crazy, I was not on drugs and I was certainly not wrong. Um, so that's why it's really interesting to watch. I think that he could very well be fine this year. Too earlier, too, it's too early in the year for me to make that call. But here's what we know right now. It's really interesting because he's a really tough guy. Um, he has starts the kind of the off season. He's got OTAs and, and right off the bat, hip is bothering him, and it is going to bother him all year long. So we start OTAs preseason, all 16 games of the year, the whole year, all the way through the Pro Bowl. He is bothered with this hip injury. Um, and he didn't do anything about it until after the Pro Bowl. He ultimately decided that he needed to get surgery on it, which is crazy to me. But February 4th, he goes and gets surgery. It's deemed a success. And so far, it sounds like he's recovering and everything's going well. Um, but it's crazy. This is a guy who has never before missed a game in his career due to injury. He has been just fantastically healthy. He has been very tough and he's coming off an impressive year. So that, that's what I like about him right now. And one of the things that I expect for him to be fine is that he doesn't have a, a history of injuries in the NFL. That's really great. He's also still just 27 years old, and he's coming off a great year. Through 16 games, he saw 138 targets for a career-high 1,174 yards and six touchdowns. He is going to be a really important part of that Browns offense. I mean, we, we look back to 2019. That year was just a dumpster fire for the Browns that were finally supposed to be Super Bowl contenders and division winners, and they weren't. And ultimately, what happened? the team kind of stunk as a whole but what was the one thing that worked was Jarvis Landry so I would absolutely monitor that because it could be like a lot of other things this could be 2020 AJ Green right where he just continually delays the return and delays the return and delays the return and never really happens and he's never 100% he could get kind of Derrick Rose so to speak where one injury ruins him I don't think that's going to happen but you got to monitor it we'll see all off season long I'm going to say nothing more on that because I think talking about injuries is kind of boring Another guy to continue watching is Greg Olson. A lot of people are going to probably sit here and think we already know what's happened with Greg Olson this offseason. The big question mark was, will he play and where will he play? And we know that, yes, he's going to play football this year. He's not retiring quite yet. And that he's going to play for the Seattle Seahawks. That for a lot of people are going to sit back and say, that's enough for me. Let me make my predictions. But there's a lot more to the story there. 
For starters, he has huge upside. For a lot of people who are thinking he's been bothered by injury for three years, he's going to be 36 years old, he's not going to be that great of a stud. I remind you, just a couple of years ago, Jimmy Graham, who is not a great tight end, had like 10 touchdowns in like 11 game span. He was absolutely phenomenal. Russell Wilson loves to throw to his tight ends, and he loves to use tight ends well, especially in the red zone, especially when it comes to throwing touchdowns more than any other quarterback he loves to throw. And it's funny because the previous kind of guy who was the tight end quarterback, when you think about it, was Andrew Luck. He's no longer in the league. I think that people underestimate Russell Wilson's desire to have a good tight end. Um, and so that's going to bode really well. Not only did Jimmy Graham do it a couple of years ago, we also see Will Disley, who had some really good games there. I believe he had four touchdowns in three games before getting hurt last season. So absolutely, tight ends can perform in that Seattle offense. Now, again, we do have this concern that it's been three straight years of injuries for him. He has played in just 30 of the last 48 games. However, we'll always remind people, while I'm more nervous about a guy who's been injured in the past, it's not a guarantee. I think a lot of people scratch off previously injured players like they're going to get hurt again and there's nothing that can that anyone can do about it but that's not always the case we've seen players struggle with injury struggle 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 and suddenly something clicks and that year they're healthy right suddenly they just have good luck and they quit getting injured dalvin cook was a guy this last year where he was injured and injured and injured and then finally really exploded last year though he did get banged up towards the end of the season but you get the point he's going to be 36 years old he's not in his prime he's not amazing He's not going to be an elite tight end. He won't be a Travis Kelsey. But for those of you who don't want to take a tight end in the first two or three rounds, Greg Olson could be one of those guys, especially in a standard league. Now, he's an interesting case. Because his quarterback loves to throw touchdowns to tight ends, because that's who Russell Wilson is, he could have good standard league value. But he's not going to get a lot of yards. He's not going to do a lot of big play things like that. He also could be a PPR guy, right? Like he could be a nice safety blanket check down sort of guy. I don't expect that to be his role. I think that's going to be mostly DK, DK Metcalf's role as he's a really uh, mature receiver for such a young guy coming off a rookie year where he's a rookie wideout that looked like a third or fourth year wideout. He really did. Um, but yeah, he's going to have a role. I think he's going to have some value. We just have to monitor it. And that's why he's on this list. Watch practices, watch coaches, watch Russell Wilson. What are they saying about him? Because what they say about him will determine his value. If they're saying, hey, he's such a great guy to be around, that's nice, but that's not good news. What we want to hear is, man, I saw this great catch. You made this one-handed snag. He looks so fast and young, and blah, blah, blah. Like We want to hear about his performance out there and practices. I want to see him in preseason. I want to see his health reports, all sorts of stuff like that. And if those reports are coming out positive, then there's certainly some room for him to have a good fantasy year this year, though it's not a guarantee. So again, he's never going to be this, this real safe stud pick early but maybe he does have a good year and maybe it adds to some of those extra mid-level tight ends which as we've talked about a lot there's not a lot of talent in that middle range of tight ends but let's move on to our last few guys and then we can end the video all right so i don't want this video to drag on too long so we're just going to discuss a few more guys really briefly if you guys would like a part two to this video i'd absolutely do it once we get past some of the other visit we have to do but here are some guys to consider Jacoby Brissett, sounds like there have been rumors about him getting traded away or released or just generally the Indianapolis Colts trying to get a new quarterback. There have also been a lot of rumors, in, in kind of more specifically, that the Colts would love to get Derek Carr. This is an interesting situation as it's not very likely, but if Derek Carr did 
end up, or if the Raiders did up getting another quarterback, then that could very well happen. And there's been a lot of news about Derek Carr possibly going to the Bears and a lot of other teams. And I think it's fairly obvious right now that I think the Raiders would like a new quarterback. Though, the way things are shaking up, I'd be willing to bet this year Brissett and Carr stay where they are and, and nothing happens quite this year. I think 2020 will be a seriously solid year in deciding the future of many teams and quarterbacks and just everything as a whole. But I'd also watch Teddy Bridgewater. Where is he going to go? I think he's absolutely going to go somewhere. The question is where and how much do they use him or do they make him the starter? Obviously, watch uh, Jameis Winston. Um, maybe that LASIK eye surgery helps him see better. Maybe he becomes a better quarterback. Um, does he stay in Tampa or does he go? It sounds like right now he may sign a two-year deal, but that's pretty vague. I don't really know much about that. Melvin Gordon, Carrion Johnson, Raheem Mostart, those are all three running backs that I definitely have my eye on. Carrion Johnson is a guy who I'm beginning to wonder if the Lions are going to go out there and maybe look for a new running back. That we'll see how things go there, but this is going to be a real determining factor year for him. Um, Melvin Gordon likely to sign with the Chargers again, but who knows? And of course, Raheem Mostard. I want to see what the 49ers do. Do they go out there and try to release a guy like Tevin Coleman or uh, um, Jarek McKinnon? Man, I totally froze there. Or or do they go out and add a running back? Or how do they feel about their running back situation? We'll see how confident they are. He reminds me of Damian Williams in that Damian Williams had a great playoff. He had a great stretch at the end of the year. But ultimately for Damian, it wasn't enough to be the 2019 starting running back stud fantasy great option that people thought he would be. So does that same sort of thing happen to most start? I don't necessarily think so, but I'll be monitoring it just to be safe. Ugh, okay, there we go. That's all that you guys need to know right now of players that you need to watch. There's, of course, many more players that you guys need to watch. I'm going to go with the old cop out here. You should watch every player. If you want to be a good fantasy owner, you want to dominate your league, know everything about everyone all the time. Um, not everyone has the time to do that, and not everyone is as obsessed as I am to do that, but that's really the best way that you can do it. Those are just some guys I wanted to highlight and talk about. Ultimately, this is a bit of a filler video. For those of you who are still watching, I'll be honest with you. This was to buy time. Rob is going to get home in a couple of days. Um, hopefully Monday, I think it is, that he'll get home. And that is when we're going to do our underrated fantasy players video. And that is a video that I am very excited for. So make sure to keep your eye out for that video as well as our rankings videos coming up soon. I'm really excited to kind of get back up on the horse and just start plowing through with some content. I felt bad lately that we haven't been producing as many videos as I'd like to. But again, given the circumstances, I just don't think there was a way to do it. And I didn't want to really burn us out or push too hard. So that is what it is. Hopefully this video is good. I always feel a little uncomfortable not doing video, doing videos on my own, not doing videos with Rob, not getting some input, some back and forth. So let me know input from you guys. Was this a good video? Did you find it interesting or do I need to step up and do a better job? Because I kind of always feel like that at the end of every video. Feel free to uh, hopefully nice, but feel free to uh, give me some pointers.